Leave the music to someone else. Gordon, it's episode three, Whiskey Unscripted, season five. How are we doing? I am very well, thank you. How are you? Good, good, because we've been out and about. We're, you know, I know. Like the world, we've been traveling and moving around, so it's been great. I've not actually seen you in the flesh for a while. No, so I know. No. Well, I mean, yeah. I've done about 13 days work in a row. <laughs> I've been that busy. Um, but no, it's been great being out and about. When did I last see you, Gordon? Oh, Gordon, it's, it's been a while. I've been down south. You've been up north, around. Yes, I have. Yes, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. So we're doing this again. We're doing this remotely, but we don't need to be doing it remotely. But we will get no. together to record another episode. And thank we you will. very much for your very kind wishes for people getting in touch with us. We should be better at getting back in touch, but please keep on getting in touch. And I think people may have noticed the slightly different timings between episodes. That's just because we have to deal with other things and we're not quite as regimented, but I know people are still catching up. But I did get an email, Gordon. I actually got yes. a phone call. I did get a phone call from um, Mike Smith in lives in San Diego and um, does a little bit of work for us out there. And he goes, when's episode three coming? And I was like, <laughs> well, well, we're recording it. Uh, very well, shortly, um, so it should be out very early next week. Well, Mike, that's very kind of you saying that, and I think it's beholden upon uh, myself to ask you, Gordon, uh, what are you drinking? Let's get. I think we should get down and get down to basics for the, the, this episode and talk about whiskey. And if you wanted, I know you're looking over your vast selection. Could I just? Uh. With the Speyside Whiskey Festival now coming at the end of this month, because we're recording this in early April 2022, could I raise to the table a 2008 Cragginmore Portwood finish? And it is a lovely dram, the Cragginmore. Not far from Tamdu, of course. No, not far from Tamdu. I have a very good friend who lives very near Cragginmore. Um, Yes, um, it's a distillery. If I'm honest, I don't. If somebody said to me, "What was the house style of Crag and Moor?" I think I've had a Crag and Moor once in my life. Right. I can picture the label. I can picture it all. I've never been to the distillery. I don't really know what its sort of style is, but I don't think it's. A, I think it's a great whiskey. I sometimes get it mixed up a little bit um, uh, with Dalwini for some reason. I don't know why, but anyway, um, Crag and Moor. Talk me through it. What is it? What have you got? Yeah, 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 it's 40% to ABV, a bit oaky, fruity, lovely okay. bit of sherry cask in there as well, I would say. Mostly used in the past for blends, so they're not doing a lot of single malts, but they're now, of course, coming out with more. Um, but this is one of the more unique single malt bottlings from Cragginmore. Right. Um, lovely t- dark chocolate, dark fruit. Um, mm-hmm. style very nice a nice finish as well so um, a port wood finish which is becoming quite popular I think mm-hmm. I had that with Keeling last week as well and not to say that it is ladies and gentlemen but uh, 
It could be a port pipe, which is pretty much the biggest cask we use in Scotch whiskey. I'm not saying it is a port pipe, but it could be. Yeah, port yeah. pipes are close to about 700 litres, massive casks. Um, and, and we've done this in the past, Gordon, but just for uh, students of whiskey, there are rules about the size of cask you can mature the whiskey in. Correct. In I mean, it's it, absolutely. And it's really just to stop, you know, you turning, for example, your sauna into a cask and filling it with new make. Um <laughs> Uh, so 700 litres, got to be less than 700 litres um, to mature Scotch whiskey. So pretty much, you know, you get some distilleries who use quarter casks, which, um, I mean, you can use 50 litre quarter casks, which is quarter of a bourbon cask. But if you look at certain distilleries, Laphroaig is well known for using quarter casks. They're actually 125 litres. So they're quarter of a butt. Um, so that's why they're, so they're actually not 50 litres, they're 125. So Lefroy produces a quarter cask, probably the distillery that uses that sort of size the most. Then you have bourbon casks at 200, and then you would have what you would call a remade hogshead, which would be made out of five bourbon casks, but four casks, same size, same, same height, but a bit fatter, 250 litres. So you could get more liquid in less area in the warehouse. So you could put four casks in rather than five, but still have the same amount of liquid. And then you really move up to, a, and then you get hogsheads also for sherry, which come from Spain, which are 250 litre size. And then you have puncheons, butts, which are mainly sherry casks, uh, American and European oak. And then port pipes are probably the biggest. Um, yes. And that's the sort of range of casks that we use in Scotch. And um, Any news, anything that's caught your eye in the world uh, I mean, of whiskey? As I sip on my Glenallachie 15. Oh, oh, here we go. <laughs> now, a lot of talk about Glenallachie 15. What's the chat? Well, um, look, Glenallachie has been producing lovely whiskey for sure. Glenallachie, Valley of the, the Rocks. Um, Billy Walker driving the ship and doing a really good job. Um, I visited Glenallachie in February, I have to say, uh, while we were still semi sort of a bit more locked down than we are. Uh, really nice. Uh, what I love about it, it's, uh, it's producing great whiskey for sure. Um, nice people. And uh, the 15, 46% PX and Oloroso cast. So that's where it would differ a little bit to Tamdu. Tamdu's only uh, Oloroso sherry. Um yeah. Uh, lovely, lovely whiskey, 46%, rich, rich colour. If I'm honest, a bit of, it's quite spicy for me. Uh, so a little bit of water in there, but lovely for sure. Um, and again, one of those distilleries that's pretty heavily associated with sherry casks, a bit like Glendronach, Tandu, yeah. Aberlauer, um, Glen Farkless. Um, you can pretty much count them on one hand, but actually the interesting part of it is that full maturation, it's really, you know, um, there's not many people doing it and Tamdu is the only one using Oloroso only. So, um, but uh, these are, you know, if you like Wonderful. sherry casks, there's, there's a little array of whiskies you should be trying. Now, Gordon, can we have a quick chat about the, just in the world of whiskey and themes 46% mm. and the unchill filtered. Mm. You know, I've had more than one conversation about um, it only shouldn't be at 46% and unchill filtered. What's the, have you encountered this? I'm calling it a theme, a sort of movement within the whiskey drinking public. Would that be fair to say? Have you heard much of it? I, I, would, I would actually disagree. I, I'll tell you why I would disagree. People who drink, whiskey is for anybody, okay? It's a drink that should be consumed by, as much as gin is consumed by anybody or vodka or whatever, it's for everybody. The nature of how whiskey is drunk predominantly is straight, 
with water or make, you know, more and more in cocktails is great. But so if, if, if I was to give someone who's not had whiskey before a 40% alcohol or even a 46% alcohol whiskey, it's very strong because you're not, yeah. you're not mixing it as readily as you would with a gin and tonic, for example. It's a bit like if you gave somebody 40% gin, who's a gin and tonic drinker, they might go, no, I need to add some tonic. So you have yeah. that, you're up against that a little bit. And so that's why there is absolutely room for whiskies at 40% alcohol. Um, that's the minimum strength. Whiskey needs to attract new consumers. It needs to get people to come and drink whiskey. So 40% alcohol is a valid strength to bottle whiskey for sure. And we do it with yeah. our 10-year-old at, at Glengoyne. Um, however, there is uh, an audience that really want to see 46% age statements, natural color, non-chill filtered. And these are your whiskey explorers, the whiskey people who know a bit about whiskey, have drunk it for a while and want to see whiskeys at higher strength because their palate is more used to it. They're more used to it. And that's fine as well. But there, there, there is no... Uh, there is they're not mutually exclusive you know um yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that's the key point and we can so so people who want whiskies at 46 there's plenty of whiskies out there at 46 those who are not particularly up to speed on whiskey want to try it want to explore it at a different level plenty of whiskies at 40 percent and 43 and all the way up you know you can drink whiskies at 60 percent we produce whiskies at 60 percent alcohol so you know, if I said to you, Gordon, you had a friend who really wants to get into whiskey, never really drunk whiskey before. Um, are you going to give them a 46% whiskey or a 40% whiskey? Depends, doesn't it? But probably you're going to lean more towards a 40% as a starter. I'm just saying not always, but maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting, Gordon. Uh, just in the news, before we head to our interviews and what we've got coming up, um, Again, I just had a quick look last night over some of the whiskey news right. early April 2022. And one of my favourite parts, I mean, you cannot look uh, at the world of whiskey without another distillery opening up. I mean, it's just amazing. Mm. But a, a wonderful part of the country that I go to quite a lot is Northumberland. So can I just tip my cap to the whiskey news today that's saying Ruler, which is a lovely place in Northumberland, which is in the north east part of England's, is now receiving its um, first commercial distillery and the stills are arriving. And What's the and name of the town? W-O-L-E-R, Ruler. Ruler. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah, Congratulations. Yeah. So, you know, it's just that lovely part. I know the, the Lake District just across to the west of, of uh, Northumberland are already up and running and this is another one. So it's just wherever you look, there are new distilleries opening up. Fabulous. You can't have enough. And I think it's interesting to see, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see where we are in five years, I think, with uh, all these new distilleries. You know, I think it's a great opportunity to produce really boutique-style whiskies and things that make you a little bit different to the distillery down the road. And and uh, with the longevity that's needed in whiskey, I not all of them, I think I've said this before, uh, it's going to be challenging for some of them. But um, great to see, great to see, because whiskey is a long-term product. Uh, uh, people... Our whiskey, our whiskey is people. So we're doing the A to Zs of people in the whiskey industry. Oh. We had a great uh, gallop through A's last week. I'm hoping you might have one or two B's. I've been doing my research <laughs> from, from history. I'm going to start with, I think, someone who, because of his approach and because of how he did it, um, 
He really is a the ultimate historian of British brewing and distilling, and that is Alfred Barnard. Ah. Had you had you looked into Alfred Barnard? I had indeed. Uh, ah, oh sorry. So, so oh, well, on you go, on you go. I mean, he is really. If you've not read his book, you know uh, he really, really he, he, he whiskey distilleries of the UK really, really worth reading because uh, it really gives you a beautiful insight into the history of distilling in this wonderful country. Yeah, B for Bernard would be uh, uh, the number one in the A to Zs of the people in whiskey. We should maybe just keep this running through the episode, but first published in 1887, he, he was writing for the Harper's Gazette, which was a sort of trade magazine for wines and food and drink. And I don't know if it was his editor or himself, Alfred Bernard, but his photograph, you know, looks quite an eccentric gentleman, a lovely jaunty hat on, and decides to take off. Maybe it's uh-huh. the spirit of the age, that Victorian never-say-die spirit. It gets in a carriage and heads up to Scotland and virtually travels through all of the land, a hundred and something like 20-odd distilleries before the age uh-huh. of the motor car. Uh-huh. And the book is a, an amazing documentation of the distilleries, the size of stills, number of washbacks. It's, uh-huh. very, it's very prescriptive in his descriptions. But what is great is some of the descriptions of getting to the Isle of Skye or getting to Jura or getting mm. to Isla and a bit of the history as well so it, it really is and if I had a friend in Netflix, Gordon yes. I think this would be a wonderful series or a big movie this eccentric Victorian having a challenge to get round Scotland and meet some characters along the way and get lifts from people in horse and carriages to get to distilleries and for no other reason to just document them. It's an amazing journey, and I think it would be, you know, from the makers of Bridgerton, come Alfred Bernard, (laughs) the whiskey distilleries of the United Kingdom. So it is great. And just a final note on this chap. I come from a town in Scotland called Paisley. You may Ah, be familiar with the pattern. I've driven driven through it. And I'm, I dare say in the early 80s, you were wearing the pattern, you know, mm. with your uh, cravats. Oh, yes. No, that, was, that was me. That was me, yeah. <laughs> so Paisley Patton, Jared Butler comes from the... But I did not know until I read Alfred Bernard's book, there was two distilleries in Paisley. One... Really? Glenifer Distillery. Hadn't heard of that. I've spoke to people in Paisley. They had never heard of it. I went to Glenifer. Well, it was a school next door. Mine was called Staley Green. In Glenifer, so it was only a few hundred yards away from this forgotten distillery. And it's also famous for Paisley Abbey. And I did not know until I read this book that right next to Paisley Abbey, a uh, 13th century uh, cathedral, basically, that there was a Sossel distillery, which was a what? grain and malt distillery. Yeah. So it was making malt whiskey, but it was also making grain spirit as well in the, in the 19th century. Did not know that. Sossel Distillery, next door to Paisley Abbey. Boom. Alfred Bernard. So it's a great book. And if you um, love a bit of history and love a bit of whiskey, you can do worse than... So mm. that's a, a long answer for a bee, Gordon. Any other mm. bees out there? In I, the there, there? There are a few that I just... More of my peers, I think, this yes. time. A couple that I just want to highlight. And any bees, if we don't mention you, it's not because we don't like you it's just because we have only got limited time i want to mention firstly alex bruce oh, <laughs> his yes. birthday it was his birthday the other day alex bruce friend of the show 
Um, Alex has, I think, done an amazing job um, at the helm of Adelphi and, and, and laterally Arden Merkin. Fabulous guy to know. And um, I really, 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 I think, done such a good job in how they've launched and, and done Arden Merkin. Yes. Um, and uh, in such a remote place as well, uh, you know, it cannot be easy, the logistics behind it. But uh, fabulous. I was not. No. I was up. I was, I was up there on holiday, but I passed by the distillery, and uh, it really is at the end of a like a thirty-mile single-track road. I mean, genuinely, it's literally unbelievable. But uh, another person who I've worked with, who I think has been fabulous in terms of his approach and his ability to influence and talk about whiskey in the U.S., has been Simon Brooking. He's represented uh, Lafroig for many, many years. Very good friends with John Campbell, of course, and uh, so Simon. Um, uh, really has done a fabulous job in the US. Yeah, yeah. And Stuart Buchanan, who obviously is representing Ben Riak and yes. Glenn Dronach for Brown Foreman, uh, was former distillery manager at Ben Riak, I think. Uh, if you've never met Stuart, you will absolutely remember when you do. Fabulous <laughs> gentleman and good man to know. How about you? Any other bees? I suppose the, the, the other one, I, was, I just caught, came across his name in this month's Whiskey Magazine for winning the Icon of Whiskey Award for being the communicator of the year. That's Blair Bowman. Ah, yes. You know, and Blair Bowman um, is credited, I think, with coming up with his World Whiskey Day. Blair was a, effectively a student, I think, at Aberdeen, I think, I might be wrong, and created World Whiskey Day, wow. and I think he ultimately sold the rights to that. And he now has really carved a niche for him as a whiskey writer, influencer, sort of, um, and... Uh, uh, sort of uh, advisor as well so but it's interesting and we'll, you know there's plenty of other bees but i just want to sort of slightly go off tangent here because Can I just, before, you, before you go off yeah. tangent or just as a, i always think it's good for an anecdote and a digression have we got time for a quick yes. digression absolutely I, I just did, a couple of years ago i was doing a tasting at the cannonball restaurants right next to edinburgh castle uh-huh. and uh, it was packed and we're doing a tasting i can't remember it was maybe smokeheads and these people come up to me and said, Blair Bowman is uh, with us. He's at the back, he's at the toilet just now. He's very proud of his beard. Could you take the, you know, Mickey out his beard? Just poke fun at it. And I was like, I've never met the guy. I know him very well, you know, mm. through. So I had to go up and say, it was World Whiskey Day. I think that was the reason. And I said, it's World Whiskey Day. And I believe the chap who started this all off has got a really ridiculous beard. I've never met him before, but it's hilarious. And of course, Blair didn't know I'd been set up. He'd been set up. He took it very well, but he did stand up and shout. So these are the kind of little digressions and kind of little fun. Yeah, yeah. We made up, but he did think I was taking the rip out of him during a whiskey tasting. (laughs) But uh, it was very good. He saw the fun side of it. As I said, Blair's done very well for himself. And, um, you know, he really, you know, he was a bit of a influencer as i said so, so world whiskey days in may but it's interesting if we just go slightly off a tangent there was a, yes. and, and we've covered this before but i'm just going to mention it there was a whiskey festival we'll come on to whiskey festivals generally but there was one called Noord netherlands up in Groningen um oh. at the weekend and uh, up in Groningen um this about 12 maybe 13 14 years ago um international whiskey day was actually formed which is march the 27th where we so it's Michael Jackson's birthday, and Michael Jackson oh, was yeah. a very infamous, in a good way, famous, infamous, I don't know, famous yep. writer and person who really, I think, put Scotch whiskey where it is. And so International Whiskey Day, March the 27th, every day should be a whiskey day. But um, 
Um, and then I think World Whiskey Day is in May. One more B that I want to mention. Okay. I'll one a, more. And I was fortunate to work with Michael Jackson. I was fortunate to work with this gentleman as well, Dave Broom. Dave is, for me, the person that I look up to the most. Uh, I think he is an amazing communicator. I think he is... He has unrivaled whiskey knowledge. Um, uh, he's done some amazing content through lockdown. He's written some amazing books of which I have many copies. And I think Dave Broom has, for me, has taken up the mantle of Michael Jackson. He really is, for me, the authority on whiskey. He really has a passion for it. He loves it. He loves a lot of our products, which is nice. But Dave, I think if you ever meet Dave, I think most people would agree one of the finest gentlemen in this industry. I think his books are fantastic, Gordon. I can't believe, you know, that wasn't first in our lips there, but Dave Broom, the manual, where he takes yeah. um, about 90 whiskies and mixes them with five different mixers. It's a fantastic book, whether it's Coca-Cola, coconut water, uh, ginger ale, whatever the five, I can't, but it's the same five mixers. And mm -hmm. you, again, it's a great book to, to read in dispelling some of the myths about whiskey as well as he goes so it's a great read that one so i've read a lot of these books and a final b for me before we go on to our um interviewers today gordon just one from history and you could call it well let's say san sam bronfman I mentioned him last week he would become the ceo of seagram's but san sam bronfman what's his name b-r-o-n-f bronfman Bronfman. And it's Sam Sam Bronfman. Sam Sam Bronfman. <laughs> uh, four brothers. What were the other brothers called? Dave, Dave Bronfman was the, he was the guy in charge of liquids. Right. Abe was another guy and Sam was the big uh, leader. And they made a lot of money, of course, in Prohibition. In, in Canada, it was not illegal to um, take your spirit or whiskey and get it into America. There was no law against it. So San Bronfman and his family purchased at some point in the 20s Seagram's and mm. they became the biggest whiskey company in the world. Exceedingly wealthy, purchased lots of um, vineyards and, and gin companies and also they moved into Scotland in a big way and set up in Renfield Street in Glasgow. Fabulous. Uh, there we and, go. And, so so there's... Before we go any further, just to say, there's plenty of other bees out there doing great jobs, but we we really have a limited time to go over them because, uh, you yeah. know, but, but I'm sure any other bees out there, you're doing fabulous work. Now, Gordon, I want to, uh, you and you've been away last week. I've been great. away last week. So we'll just talk about that. But in the context of the world is opening up and things are happening. So where were you? I was in the UK, Gordon. I was in the second most populous city in the United Kingdom. I went down to Birmingham and uh, did whiskey tastings for four nights last week. Started off in Sirencester, which is just in the edge. Ooh, lovely. In the Cotswolds. Love which is beautiful. And I was going to try and get to the Cotswolds distillery. We've tasted some of their whiskey in the show before. I didn't get time. We'll, uh, we'll try and do that some other time. This is lovely mm -hmm. whiskey. That English single malt. And then back to... Um, Birmingham, Rome's Grove, and yes, that's the accent, and Edge Baston. And I just wanted to get a feel for the whiskey scene down in the second city of the UK. And this is uh, the people and the places that I were doing, I was doing some tasting in. Shake it away, Gordon. So, so here I am in Birmingham, Alabama. No, it's not, it's Birmingham. 
and um, we just come down from Glasgow to do a, a wonderful whiskey tasting. I think it might be quite nice if I just asked uh, who you are and where we are. You've got such a beautiful accent, I must, I must admit. I'm, I'm Phil, uh, I'm the owner of Loki Wine. Uh, we're based in Birmingham, three wine shops, three wine bars. Uh, love our spirits, love our wine, love anything alcoholic, basically. And yourself? Um, hi, um, my name's Lisa. I'm the general manager of uh, Brunningham Price Pub called The Physician. It's in Edgebuston, very close to um, the amazing Loki Wines. Um, we're neighbours. Um, we have plus 300 spirits on our bar. Um, quite a lot of whiskies, probably nearly 100. Um, can I just see if the listeners, I wasn't in there earlier on tonight and had some lovely food and some lovely drink as well. So it was one. So just a little chat about the Birmingham scene. A special whiskey. It's whiskey unscripted. Um, so, how has the whiskey's been consumed, and what's the thoughts about uh, whiskey in Birmingham? What 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 are you seeing? Yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing a really big boom in in whiskey at the moment. I I I, th- I think whiskey at some point started to feel a bit stuffy, but now we're seeing how vibrant it is, and as a, as a category, it's actually quite exciting. Um, Obviously, it's a premium product, so it attracts certain types of people, but I think it's a category that is so diverse that actually there is something there for everyone. So just tell us what you've got here. What do, what, how, how do you source the whiskies? Uh, well, I, what, what, why do you, which ones do you source? I well, what, my, my surname's Innes, so I'm, I'm Scottish, so it's, uh, or my, my family is, so it's, it's obviously in the blood, and I, I just have a natural gift for it. But um, yeah, for, for me, obviously, I would say, because um, I'm with you, I love Glengoyne, and that, isn't, that honestly isn't uh, blowing smoke up your ass. It, it genuinely, genuinely is. At this point, I'm saying, uh, please do, but it's, it's, it's only nine o'clock. <laughs> but it, it genuinely is one, one of my favourites. But I, I love the um, White and Mackay stable, um, you know, Dalmore. Better Ken's a really interesting, uh, interesting style of um, uh, whiskey that they do as well. And then I, I'm not allowed to drink them because uh, anymore because my uh, my missus doesn't uh, doesn't like it. But I, I, I love an Arbeg, I love a Lagavulin, uh, Lafroig as well. I, I, I do really love a bit of peat, but um, apparently I, I, I stink if uh, I do it. And I'm, I have to sleep on the sofa every time I, I have an have a Islay whiskey. So. And what are, you, what are you seeing? Is there any trends in the whiskey consumption in Birmingham that you've saw? Because you're now six years into running the physician. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know we were having a chat about this earlier. And um, I do think it's interesting how there are a lot of trends, especially somewhere like Birmingham. We are allegedly the second city. Um, so obviously we do need to keep up with what's going on in the market and stuff. However, um, I would say there has definitely been a return to the more traditional style, more recognisable whiskey. So if we say that, where was the style? What were you being asked for? So we did go through a very large um, trend of Japanese whiskey. Um, so we were getting a lot of requests for that and we did extend the range from probably one or two up to maybe six or seven. Um, and they were pretty much selling out every week. Um, but then recently, I've noticed since lockdown specifically, so the last couple of years, we've reverted back to the more traditional stuff. So the Jamesons, Ardberg, Lafroig, um, I guess recognisable names, family names that people know that their parents might have drank or their grandfather might have drank, stuff like that. Nostalgia, I'm guessing. Um, I think that's huge, I have to say. And I was, yeah. We're talking the other on, I was talking about vinyl records, and I was talking about doing burn suppers. 
which were old and boring and a lot of people <laughs> were far too old. It is kind of, but it's now a lot of younger people are picking these things up and making it their own and going with it. So it sounds like that is some sort of trend. And I'm, it's amazing. I'm delighted to hear more about that. So you think a lot of younger folk are getting into the more traditional brands? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I don't know why, um, but, you know, I guess... Oh, we had a whiskey list that we printed out. Um, give, us a, give, us, give us some names and let's... We absolutely love whiskey in this show. Give us some brands and what's on there. So there's, there's kind of too many for me to really... And there's no way I can pronounce half of them. You can. <laughs> I definitely can't. But we had our list was, I'm going to say, 98. 98 different wow. whiskies from... Lots of different areas, so we had some Speyside stuff, some Island stuff, some Highland stuff. We had lots of different stuff. Um, uh, weirdly enough, uh, lots of blended stuff as well. So what do you say? Is it mostly single malt people are looking for? Is it, or is it blends or blended a malt? A bit of both. Oh, a right bit okay. of both. So weirdly enough, we've had strange things that I've not seen sell for years, like J&B. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Weirdly, all of a sudden started selling. Strange, as I say, after lockdown, though. Dalmore all of a sudden just took off. We've got the um, the 12 year, I think we've got the cigar malt as well. I mean, we do have a lot. I mean, no, there's no way I can remember all the names. Um, but definitely the more recognizable, the ones that people. So we've got Johnny Walker, we have um, the platinum, we've got the red, we've got the green, we've had the blue. Um, there's, we've definitely noticed people more interested in the black at the minute. Um, and then some of the more quirky stuff's dropped off a bit. So, are they drinking it straight or is it with. Uh, ginger ale or soda water? Um, a bit of both. Okay. Um, whenever they say I'll have it with a Coke, I'm like, OK, bye-bye. No, <laughs> 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 no, get out of my pub right now, please. Um, so, yeah, obviously we try to, through staff training, we try to encourage the team to say, please have it neat or, on the, or on the rocks. Yeah, yeah. Don't put stuff in it. And Phil, can I just say, a, a little bird's told me there's a, some sort of award there was some sort of a recognition delivered to you this morning. Could you tell us more? Yeah, so we won a UK hybrid, which is a wine, wine merchant and, uh, and uh, wine bar uh, of the year last year. So, way. Way. Uh, go, going back to the whiskey, actually, one, one of the things that I, I think has really helped is bourbon as a category. I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people rediscovering Scotch whiskey coming from a bourbon point of view. I think the ice... And, and people being used to drinking it neat but with a bit of ice is something that actually gets a lot of younger people in. And obviously cocktails as well, old fashioned stuff like that. People, people are, are, are finding their way into whiskey through, through that sort of thing. It's funny because we've talked about, and I've just done a wonder, well, I think some people called it a wonderful whiskey talk to me. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just exaggerating when there's a great area you've got there for tasting. And I know you do wine tastings in terms of whiskey tasting. The whiskey scene is strong in Birmingham. Absolutely. I think uh, we're, we're seeing such a strong scene, especially young people coming through, and I, I think it's only going to grow. And I think more bars are taking it seriously now. Um, it, you know, obviously, the physician does lots of whiskey, but they're actually very few and far between, and, and we're, we're seeing a real appreciation of whiskey coming, coming through and more bars taking a risk, stocking more products and, uh, and getting it in front of customers. And I think that's the important thing, is getting the products in front of customers so people explore new things. If anybody's listening and want to do a wee trip and see some of the sites in Birmingham, it's not well, obviously go to the physician, but it's other places to, to enjoy a, a dram in Birmingham. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think there's lots of places it's definitely being embraced at the moment, especially by the customers and, and by the, the owners of bars and restaurants. Oh, that's great. great news for this podcast. Yeah, there, I mean, there, there are a couple of specialist whiskey bars as well in Birmingham at the moment um, in, in Jewelry Quarter, and uh, they're definitely worth checking. Really happening, happening city in the UK. So, listen, thank you so much. Thank you for joining thank us you. on Whiskey Unscripted. So, and just pretend that, uh, I'm listening. <laughs> just pretend this is not here. Okay. Uh, so, uh, well, I'm now in Bromsgrove and I have got, would you mind telling me who, who you are and where we are? So, I'm Loretta Cornish uh-huh. uh, and I run Decanter Spirit Shop, which is a wine and spirit merchant. We've been going for the sixth year now. Wow. Specialising in uh, single malts, oh. gins, liqueurs oh. and everything else in between. And I'll just say, I just love it. Um, if you're listening to this, it's you know you have your traditional off licenses, but like last night, what you'll hear on the on the podcast, you've also got tables and chairs. You can come in here and taste. You've got a bar. It's not just a shop. That's right. Majority of the stuff we sell is actually uh, possible to taste before before you buy it, and also it allows us to do a tasting evenings. Wow. And uh, and yeah. And you can't do that in Waitrose. You can't go and open a bottle of. No. Whiskey and do that. So some a lot of people come in here just just for the tasting and then leave without buying. Is it? Can you do that? Most people they come in, they try something, buy it, like it, and they end up buying it. Hello. 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 So yeah, no, it's very much linked together. And tell me some of the whiskies here. What, what kind of whiskies have so, you got? What's popular in Bromsgrove in this area? What do people? What's doing the business? Eighty percent is single malt scotches. Oh. Uh, but we do have a, a few Japanese whiskies. Oh, There's demand ones? growing yes, for it. Yes, which ones? So we've got a Nika range. We've got a uh, the um, I can't pronounce them. Hibiki Harmony, if we can get hold of it. Yeah, yes. Uh, and then we've got some of the blended ones. We've got 21 year old blended. Oh, um, yeah, and, and sort of like a mainly Nika range, but some of the others around as well. And I see you get some lovely bourbons down the bottom there as well. Absolutely. How are they going? Very good. Demand for bourbons is growing. Which ones? Blantons. Right. Everyone is after Blantons. Do you want to come walk down? Course, yeah. Blantons. Good got excuse, any... folks. They have a walk in that whiskey shop. Anything that comes out of Buffalo Trace uh-huh. Distillery. We've got some lovely Woodford Reserve, including Brandy Cask. Uh, some of the Rittenhouse and um, Jack Daniels. Some of the special ones, like the Single Barrel or the Gentleman Jack. Uh, and... Now, I'd imagine a few years ago, it would just be... Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels and, uh, <laughs> maybe, and, maker's and maybe a Maker's Mark Look Woodford at Reserve at the moment. And absolutely. And we've noticed the, the demand for a Barman's is really growing recently. Right, okay. uh, people getting a bit more educated about it, more mm-hmm. research. I suppose it might be something to do with a, uh, a bourbon haste that we had a few years ago in America. Mm-hmm. Price has gone through the roof. And um, I suppose a lot of people just got interested to discover what bourbon's about. Yes, I'm looking over now. We're not far from the Cotswold Distillery. How, how Yes, Scotswold Distillery. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, uh, Quite recently that we've had the full range now. And uh, yeah, there is a demand and asking, as well as Penderin. So it's not just about Scotch. So Penderin, uh, Cotswold. uh, There's a couple other sort of like English whiskies as well. Uh, Like, for example, there's one from Cornwall called Hellstone's Whiskey, blended. Relatively new. It's blended malt or blended? Blended, uh, blended, blended blend. malt, yeah. Right. So we've got that. The other things that are from English, uh, like distillery. Ah, uh-huh, yes, yes. That one. And also, uh, I'm just looking whether I haven't... Uh, English whiskey. Mm-hmm. 
sold out at the moment, but that's another one. So there is a, you know, English whiskies are becoming popular as well. They've still got a bit to go to 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 to, to get to the Scottish uh, of course. The standards. And, and and how do you go about trying to source to see your scotches? How do you decide what's on the shelf? So quite often it's what people ask for. Huh. So if there is a new distillery or if there is something that's hot or popular, mm -hmm. they come and ask. And if they do ask, that means we'll try our best to source it. So customers very much dictate what we stock. There's a plenty of uh, whiskey geeks around to educate us as well. Uh, obviously, we've got a uh, few of the main suppliers but that will advise of their new whiskies. But majority of the whiskies we source directly so we can get best price and pass it on to customers. And that's the customers usually sometimes ask for it. And that's Absolutely. How you, oh, that's yeah. wonderful. And uh, where's your accent from? Cause it's a wonderful accent you've got there. The accent is coming from me. But I'm coming from Latvia. Ah, right. <laughs> yes, and so then Latvia, what would it be? What, what's the drink of choice over there? So Latvia, I'm very much vodka drinkers still. Okay. But they do do have uh, some whiskey. Shivers Regal, Bushmills are the ones that dominate. Right. Yes. Uh, Brookladdick quite often as well. You you see it on the shelves. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and, and a Johnny Walker. And apart from the very handsome chap from uh, Ian McLeod Distillers, oh, okay. uh, who have you had tastings here? Because you've got a lovely room upstairs. Yes. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll take some photographs and put of it on Instagram. Yeah. But who have you had upstairs for the tastings? Yeah, so the whiskey distilleries we've had so far is Tomatin, yes. Tully Bardeen, uh, uh, Loch Lomond, okay. and uh, who else we've got? McMira. Ah, McMira, yeah. yeah, yeah Paul Swedish. John. I like Paul uh, John. That's the ones I can remember. Right, basically. oh, that's great. We'll get some visitors arriving. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Larita. No Let's Thank have you. a nice night tonight. Fabulous, fabulous. Oh, that was, that was, uh, what I would, and I, Gordon, here's a question. Those bars that, we, 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 that you heard there, they were off licenses with a bar in them. Oh, is, is there anything is better that, in life? I don't think there is. I thought it was abs it's a great atmosphere. People were there to really sample and, and appreciate uh, and then purchase. If you want to open an ultimately hugely successful off-license where you sell uh, sell lots of whiskies and things, it's a great idea to let people enjoy and taste it in a convivial bar atmosphere, isn't it? I just don't know in Scotland whether these exist up here yet at the moment, or whether it's allowed to exist, or uh, you know, probably, but, yeah, probably a licensing thing. Probably I don't know, but uh, yeah. yeah, it should do. It should absolutely do. So Fantastic. That was you in oh. Birmingham. Ooh. It is. It just shows you, you know, you think, what's the whiskey scene like down there? It is fine. It's very, very good. And all I would say to all the listeners, ladies and gentlemen, we have let him out the sauna and he is off and running. Um, <laughs> I love your idea of turning this into a cast, Gordon. I hadn't thought about this. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, Gordon, uh, before we talk about where you've been before, um, in fact, no, let's, let's get on to that then. I just want to have a chat about the other festivals uh, and oh, events are happening around the I, world. I'll, I'll talk about that in a general way and I'll tell, then I'll lead on to where we were being. I mean, if you just look, um, things are certainly happening. Um, I mean, back in February, a lot of the whiskey festivals were being still cancelled. But uh, as we move now into April, we're looking at quite a lot of things opening up. And uh, as I said, you know, there's festivals I'm looking at in the States and um, things that are going to be going on. We've got Whiskey Fest coming up in Chicago in May, which right. I'm think i'm going to be at i think um and if we look at the also the nth whiskey festival if you've ever been to that in las vegas it's a high-end oh, high roller whiskey festival but just generally been, the whiskey no, i, I have never before? i've never no. been no i've never been but there are you know when i was in uh, i was at whiskey shift in lucerne but there was another festival as i mentioned at Groningen, and then really coming into the festival season in terms of spirit of Speyside in a month's time ah. 
um, at the end of April. We then have Campbelltown just before the Isla Whiskey Festival. So very, very just a couple of days before the Isla Whiskey Festival, which runs for nine days, the Isla Whiskey Festival. And then um, something that I think you're probably involved with at Drambusters. So lots of different festivals oh, yes. and all around the world as well. So they're all beginning to open up which is great. But I, as I said, I was in Lucerne in Italy for Whiskey Schiff, which is, uh, and for another reason, which I'll talk about, brilliant festival held on ships, which on, on, the, on the lake in Lucerne, we worked with our distributor there, Charles Hoffer, and uh, it was great fun with uh, a lot of chat as well from fellow exhibitors, uh, friends of the show, in fact. You, um, you, you, yes, it was a, a veritable reportage by Gordon Dundas. It, it, really it, it, it was really good to good to good to sort of catch up with everybody and just get the latest on their whiskies. So I've got a, a few interviews that I think we, we can play. Take it away. So it's Gordon Dundas reporting for Whiskey Unscripted here in Lucerne, and I'm with Alan from Loch Lomond. Alan, how are you? Very good. It's the first trip of the year. Um, excited. Beautiful location. Weather's fantastic can't complain and so alan obviously uh, we're in switzerland it's a beautiful day uh, we're just about we're just a couple of hours before the show how was the first night last night thursday night how did that go for you and your products very good because i i think when you have a three-day show you don't want to peak too early so i think it was a good number of people great brand awareness as well surprised how many people had tasted both loch lomond and, and glen scotia um but yeah, so it's really good feedback. Um, really happy with the first day. And you had a really stunning whiskey next door to you, is that not right? <laughs> Debatable. No, I was lucky enough to obviously have, have Tam do next to me, um, which dug me out a hole a few times. Um, <laughs> always nice to have a, 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 a good whiskey next to us and a good offering. We're joking. Um, and so, Alan, you're, you're a sort of ambassadorial role. What does that entail? And we get a lot of questions about ambassadorial roles, people wanting to work out what it actually does. How, how you know how they can get into it you've got an interesting story about how you got into whiskey and then into 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 your current role absolutely my, my past been strange so I, 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 I'm based in Scotland I, I live in Paisley and strangely I'm a boy boy who'd never touched alcohol until he was 26 years old which is very unusual for that area so he's made up for it since I, I certainly have made up for it um, but yeah it kind of fell into a sales role and it was based through travel retail so um, get the, the range of products you get in travel retail is incredible and it, it really increases your, your confidence but also your product knowledge as well and then I, my past kind of indirectly taking me taking me into an ambassador role um, and as I said it's, it's, it's a fantastic role because it's obviously predominantly based in Europe um, enjoying the travelling because I've seen some amazing places but it, it really is humbling to see how the, the your products in places that you would never even imagine and being able to share a jam with friends because that we've got a nice little group of ambassadors going about different shows and as I said a really good community and that's that's probably one of the biggest appeal for, for the job and that and that's the thing also I mean if you think about it, we're here in Lucerne I know there's a big show in Holland this weekend as well in Groningen um, and you could actually be at a whiskey show every weekend if you if you so choose. I think so. I think I think obviously with the recent pandemic, you can see things get slightly condensed. So I'm not going to lie, between myself and my bosses, we were looking at it, thinking can't really be two places in one. So, um, but it seems to be panning out okay. I'm glad the world's obviously getting back to a more a more normal state, um, and it allows us, as I said, to do our job. It's been very difficult in the last couple of years, the restriction in travel and groups of people. 
and, and that's very much what our, our job is based on. It goes that, and as I say, I'm just delighted that we're, we're back doing what we love. And you're you're doing a masterclass later. What are you featuring in that? So what we're going to do, we've got a masterclass, um, and we're going to do it across both brands. We're doing it Loch Lomond and Glen Scotia, but we're going to do a deconstruction of the 312-year-olds. So we've got a very unique distillery at Loch Lomond where we can create many spirits, but we're basically going to dissect them a little bit, show them the different production between each one. Um, the interesting thing is they are all the same ABV, all same casks, but yet the spirit creates something completely different. So three unique flavours, and also we're going to do three offerings from Glen Scotia, which will be probably one of my personal favourites, which is a double cask. We're going to do the 15 and the Victoriana, that's, that's always very, very popular. And just so you know, Glen Scotia, Campbelltown Distillery, obviously, yep. and Loch Lomond is a Highland. Highlands, yes. Um, so it's nice to nice to have a bit of diversity in your portfolio, but also different stories. I think Loch Lomond is quite innovative and, and creative in how we make whiskies. Whereas when you go down to Campbellton, anybody that's listened to this or visited the place, as you know, it's a throwback. Very much pace of life in the West Coast is a little bit slower, as is the production of whiskey, and that's what I really like. As I said, it's a it's a very much a throwback whiskey to to, to, to many moons ago. Alan, pleasure to see you, yes. and we'll uh, we'll see you later on. Excellent. Look forward to it. Take care. I'm here with Andy Bell uh, of Aaron. Um, Andy, um, great to see you. Um, so you've got the full range here. We're just just before the start of whiskey shifts here in Lucerne, day two. What was popular on day one? Well, the by the way, hello, Gordon. A hello, pleasure. pleasure, a to pleasure. See I was you. going. Pleasure I was just you. going to start answering your questions as if it's a real interview there. But uh, yeah, pleasure to be with you on the show. I uh, so. Ten-year-old Aaron was popular as ever. Seems mm-hmm. to be a staple, mm-hmm. uh, a back bar staple, if you will. People seem to want to have that, you know, to get a, a, a sense of what Aaron's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, other popular drams, probably the twenty-one-year-old. Mm. That kind of a tasted that lovely, elegant, old-school style, mm-hmm. big format sherry casks, nice balance, good, good, just nice, nice mature, nice mature whiskey. So yeah, uh, lots to try. Although there, there are a couple more that we have here. Uh, that we did for Switzerland as an exclusive uh, you might have noticed mm-hmm. uh, there are a couple of interesting bottles at the end there many are. many bottles of Aaron uh, which go alongside uh, many bottles of, of sherry so we're pairing these up so we have a PX casked Aaron alongside a, a bottle of uh, the PX itself from the, from the same cask it's all about letting the you know the customers know where some of the flavours in their whiskey comes from mm-hmm. uh, you'd be surprised at how few people have actually considered that so it's always a joy to explain that and watch their faces fabulous I think and I love the new packaging as well I think it's fabulous um, and uh, I've always loved Aaron I think it's fabulous how's lag coming on? great Ty we're uh, not too far away from our first release so mm. uh, just been producing for about three years now and the casks are about to turn three year old so we'll be releasing a uh, an inaugural bottling of lag in the next couple of months so that'll be quite exciting as well it's, it's so strange to be back at the start of a journey yeah yeah because uh, we feel like with aaron we're kind of getting to the point of a bit of maturity and being able to speak from you know a, yeah. a place of authority with you know regard to a, a nice portfolio yeah. of whiskies that have lots of different ages and now we're like right back to set the clock to zero with with lag which is a really you know it's, it's a really exciting thing because kind of kind of takes us back and resets the clock and lag is it's heavily peated is it aye yeah yep. so, so it's what? 50 ppm right, and okay we've been making macri moor up at lacranza since 2004 and that began with lightly peated stuff so 
14 ppm, then we kind of ratcheted it up over the years to 20, then we experimented with 50 ppm. So we've got lot, lots of different uh, peated stock at La Cranza, but with, with lag, the idea was always to do something, you know, really island style, if you will, mm. very heavily peated, more sort of agricultural in style, as is Redland of the south end of Arran, where mm. all the agriculture happens and the, the barley growing of, of yesteryear would have occurred. Mm -hmm. And yeah. because of that, I suppose the distillation would have happened and mm -hmm. it's more of a, a kind of shot back to the past. So, Fabulous. yeah, lag is all about a, a, a more agricultural, heavy style of, of island whiskey. And first release for lag this later this year. Yeah, call it summertime. Fantastic. Well, you've got some interested people here, so I'll, I'll let you get on. Yeah, there's customers. Uh, lovely to see you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so I'm here with Rowan. Um, now, Rowan, you're representing the Whistler here? The Whistler, indeed, yeah. Um, what do you... Do, uh, here you work in production, is that correct? Yes, I'm a distiller in Boan Distillery, which is part of the same same company. So where's Boan Distillery? It's in Drogheda, which is a little, about half an hour north of Dublin. Okay, right, okay. So, how long have you been distilling there? Only eight months. I'm quite quite new to the game. I was okay. uh, in the industry for a few years before that. But. Okay, and what type of whiskies do you produce? You, you produce single malt? Single malt, mostly single pot still. So, okay. a mix of malted, unmalted barley, and then some oats and rye as part of our yep. core, core recipe. But then we also do some single malt. Uh, we do some apple brandy as well. The family have apple orchards as well. So, we do uh, a mix of things. But. Sounds very diverse and interesting. And for those people out there, just remember, in Ireland you can create a single pot still whiskey, which is a combination generally in a, in a very simple way of malted and unmalted barley. Exactly. Which in Scotland actually would be a single grain, but yeah. that's a, that's a category of Irish whiskey. It is, yeah, and it has to be distilled in in, in the copper pots. Yes. Yeah. yeah like it does and you've also got some cream liqueurs here we've been we talking about them earlier yeah which are made down in Tipperary so in our, our Mary's side in Tipperary various flavours and, wh and which whiskey's been the most popular so far I'd say it probably has to be the PX I Love You which is a single malt PX I Love You I like yeah, that that's nice, a little bit nice. of a, a wordplay as well so single malt Lovely. Asian bourbon and finished in Pedro Jimenez casks so fantastic a crowd pleaser well Rowan thanks very much and Thank we're glad you. to have you on Whiskey Unscripted Glad to be there. Okay, so we're here during the show. I'm here with Bastian. Now, Bastian, we're, we're standing behind Penderin here. Um, obviously, Welsh whiskey. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I know about it, I don't know that much, but I know it's got a really high new make strength, doesn't it? Yeah, it's between 88 and 92% of alcohol. So that's not far off neutral grain strength. That's true, yeah. We uh, use the Faraday still. It's a kind of hybrid uh, still. So, yeah. And the wonderful Dr. Jim Swan was involved in, in Penderin, wasn't he? Yeah, correctly, correctly. He helped us a lot. And so you've got some interesting bottles here. You've got a black bottle. You've got one that's gold. Um, you've got this, the, the, the very iconic bottles, Penderin. Exactly, exactly. The bottle you mentioned are the bottles from the Icons of Wales. Oh, right. So every bottle tells you a story about Wales. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah. And then we have the gold range. Yeah, you can see a lot of whiskey out of the bottle, so it's um, mm, it's been popular. Good. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is 46% of alcohol, non-chill filtered, no added color. And what I really want to know is how upset were you when the Irish bar was shut last night? Uh, not that much because I am German. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous and great to see Penderin here and uh, it is great whiskey. Perfect. Thank nice you. to see you.
I'm with friend of the show, Scott Adamson. Scott, how are you? I'm very good, mate. Thank you. How are you? How's your coffee? It's good. I put a little Excellent. bit of iron gold in there, so it's nice. extra tasty. Yeah. So I'm standing beside Scott uh, on the on the Charles Hoffer stand here in Lucerne, and there's a, a huge selection of tomatins, and one that's particularly been popular, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We've got a 2001 single cask that Patrick bottled for Switzerland. It's a sister cask of what we've got in our visitor centre, which has always been popular, but it's a 19-year-old with a 10-year finish in PX, so... Um, really one of those it shouldn't exist but it Mm. does and it's brilliant it is utterly fabulous I have to say and generally um, how's your I mean we did a lot of stuff together sort of at the beginning of lockdown and and, uh, now we're coming out of it you must be glad to be a bit more sort of out and about would that be fair? Yeah, I think that's a, a, a fair estimation. I think the, the whole virtual thing has been brilliant in keeping people together, and I think it's got a place and it will continue to be important, but there's nothing quite like being back in front of people pouring whiskies that you've been working on for the last couple of years and having conversations about what we love, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And the whiskey that I probably know the least about here, and I even can't, can't I've forgotten how you actually pronounce it. Yeah, so this is Kubokin. Kubokin. So, Kubokin is our lightly peated single malt. We make it for one week a year, the last week before we shut down for Christmas. And it's a little bit of an old meets new. It's our experimental single malt. So what we're doing is the style of spirit that we're producing is very similar to what would have been made in the Highlands of Scotland 50, 60 years ago. That lightly peated, mm-hmm. sweet Highland malt. But then we're taking a really modern approach to maturation. So as well as putting it into really interesting casks, we're then looking at those malts individually and thinking, how would that work well together? What would that work with? So Creation One's a great example where we've taken Kubok and Spirit that's been matured in Muscatel casks, really sweet, lots of orange flavours. And then we've married that with whiskey uh, matured in Imperial Stout casks, which has a bitter element. So it's all about, it's a flavour forward, experimental, lightly peated Highland single malt. And I think the one thing just to say to people out there, you know, all peated whiskies are not Isla. They're not all the same. No. Highland peat, very different to Isla peat, isn't it? Very different. And our, the peat that we're using comes from St. Fergus, which is over in Aberdeenshire. And what you find is, if you look at it technically, peat is decomposed plant matter. And so the plants that are within that peat are going to have different flavour elements. So if you look at Isla, it's all sphagnum mosses. It's all very low earth. Not many trees. Not many trees. You go to Aberdeenshire, lots of lignin content lots of shrubs lots of trees so what we tend to find from the peat from the highlands is more a campfire element there's less of that medicinal side more of that sweet smoke I remember as a kid walking into the woods where we're having barbecues or having a little campfire and that lovely sweet smoke aroma that's what we get coming through here fabulous well looking forward to another five and three quarter hours standing next to you <laughs> we'll have a good show we'll fantastic good cheers. cheers that's great you know we cut you know scotch Irish whiskey great great chat about Irish whiskey there and um you know great to hear from Scott and uh, all those other guys um Penderin as well so no really really good uh, so that was a great show um and then I actually moved to do a quick event um in very near the swish swish swiss was, was it very smart it was very smart swiss <laughs> german border near lake constance i was doing a an event with the Whiskey Botschafter, which is the magazine in Germany that means Whiskey Ambassador. Um, and we did a Glengoyne tasting evening. Now, it was brilliant. Really, really nice in their sort of hotel. But I met this amazing couple. And she was 89. Oh, <laughs> he, and they'd come from Lucerne for this event. He was 89. Sorry, she was 89. 
He was 87. They'd gone to Glengoyne in 1988. They've been oh. married for 70 or been together for 70 years. And they sat and they listened to, I don't think, they sat and they listened to what we talk about and we ate great food. And I caught up with him at the end and I said, um, he said to me, that was absolutely fabulous and your whiskeys are gorgeous. Have you got any Glengoyne 25? And the, the only whiskey we were going up to was the 21. Uh, no, but actually, so he, he, potted, he goes to the bar. There's a Glengoyne 25 behind the bar. He opens it, pays for it, pours himself I mean, decent measures of Glen going 25 <laughs> and, and him and his, him and his wife, he's the toy boy. He's the younger, <laughs> he's the younger one. Um, the two of them sit there and I sit and just chat to them about, you know, they've lived in Lucerne all their lives. They'd love to go back to Scotland, but they feel they're a little old now. And they went to Glen going in 1980. Oh. I was still at school. Yeah. 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 Um, but he, he, he buys Glen going 25 regularly. And, uh, He's a huge Glengoyne fan. He thought he had a lovely evening. Just a, one of those magical couples that you're just like, fantastic, isn't this? Well, am- fantastic. We're sort of, you know, it's a great part of this job, Gordon, is meeting these really colourful and very interesting people. And there's an episode in that, just mm-hmm. on the anecdotes of the people, you know, that Birmingham, I ended up in a bar. It's a lovely bar, somewhere in Edgebaston, with that manageress of the pheasant and her wonderful husband buying me drink. It was wonderful because he bought me a couple of drinks and great conversations uh, that you, mm. you have a chat with. And one of the, their conversations they had the week before had one of those dining experiences when you're in the dark. Mm. You're not blindfolded. Yes. The room's completely pitch black. Yes. You've got to fill your plates and then fill with the glasses and you've got to eat blinds and drink blinds. You don't so get it all over your face. Yes. I, mm. Well, I do that even without the lights off. But, <laughs> you know, so these are the conversations you have when you're out. In the, and, and the guy at the bar, come up and joined us. And he'd been at the Ice Hotel in Lapland. Oh, yeah. Earlier. So nice. you, you get great conversations when you're out and about. And it's, it's a wonderful story. I'd love to speak to these people to ask what mm. was the, the still like in 1988 because Glengoyne, that's quite early in its... Yeah. You think about distilleries back in 1988, they were not the... The visitor no. experience they are now, they were not geared up for it. They were not, I mean, so look, they, they had a bottle. They said it was great. And they, it's very, it's their favorite whiskey. And, you know, that's the kind of thing when you go to a distillery, it can have that impact on you far less the, the whiskey quality. So they were an amazing couple, thoroughly enjoyed talking to them. And did they find their way through the distillery garden? Did they use directions? He says, tried to tee up something. Um, <laughs> I think they probably did oh. use directions. Um, you could try okay. and challenge me. Yeah, I'm going to challenge you on game. a couple here. I'm going to challenge you a couple about directions to distillery so, from from Glasgow. This is the first one from Glasgow. Right, so like doing, right. like doing different features on Whiskey Unscripted, and, and this feature, we did the 80s Z earlier on, you know, we were in bees. This feature was just about every website for a distillery has contact us or come visit us. And you click that link and it takes you to a little bit of blurb about where they are in the world. And I thought that would be quite a good challenge. I did it to Gordon in the last episodes and he's going to do it back to me. Carry mm-hmm. on, Mr. Dundas. Right. <laughs> you join the A82 from Glasgow and travel yeah. for 92 miles. You take a Caledonian McFrain ferry heading west, joining the A861, continuing to head west, then more in a southwesterly direction for 45 miles, taking the A884 
and the B849, arriving Ooh. at your destination if you are driving around about four hours later. Oh, have you arrived? Have you arrived at the Mitchell's uh, distillery called Springbank? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I thought, no. thought you'd take the, the ferry to the noon and then carried on. The A82 goes through Glencoe. You're, oh. you're, you're up towards Ballet. You take the Corrin Ferry. The Corrin Ferry? So it's only 200 metres. You threw me off for the 45 miles later. You then had w- head west. So you're now actually... So you head west and then you head southwest. You're going to end up at Nicknean. Oh. So the no. only other distillery along that way is one we've mentioned already, which is oh, Arden Market. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Nicknean is a little bit further south, opposite uh, Mull on the Sound of Mull. So a little bit of a difficult one. Here's, a, here's another one for you. I like this game, though. This is good game. Play, it's a great play game. along at home, folks. Play, play along at home. home. <laughs> um, so you're going to leave Edinburgh this time. Oh, right. Because okay. I want to make sure we... So we're on the east. Yeah, so you, you take the M8 out of Edinburgh, okay? Yeah. And you join the M9. Heading yes. north. And then you join the A9 at Dumbling, heading yes. north. You take the A82 exit to Green Loaning. Continue past Ardoch Roman Fort to Mutt Hill, joining the A85 at Gordon's Motors Suzuki Garage. I know it well. Uh, it like is. It. Well, that's why I mention it, because it's a solid name. <laughs> Continue on the road. You turn right. You cross Bar, Bar, Barvik Burn, and then you turn immediately right, and you've arrived at your destination. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. You're not far from Dundee's, further to the to your east. You're in that sort of Schoon Palace, the ancient seat of the the kings of Scotland's, is on your west, and you're in that middle part. And I just wonder. It's a wonderful place, Mutt Hill. I just envisage. All these Labradors and Collies all sitting having the cornflakes right now in Mutt Hill. Um, oh, he says, I'm playing for time. Do you want a clue? Yes, I do. Famous Grace. Oh, is, that, is, that, is that how you get to Glen Turret? Yes! yes! Famous uh, Grace. Well, um, obviously, Michelin star now. And, uh, right? Yes, that's so. That's Glen Turret. So you, I'll give you one out of two. Well done. I should have got the green loaning. So that's the yes, yes. I've got. I know exactly where you are. Matt Hill. I was on the other side, side of the country there. Well, that's that's, that's great. You can play that in your whiskey club. It's not a bad game, you know. Uh, you actually scotched it last week, so I think you're in the lead, Gordon. That's fine. On this one, um, fabulous. Well, well done, sir. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Gordon. I think that's us coming to the. The end of our how's your um, how's your crag and more? Really nice, really nice. Open up a wee bit more. Very nice. Oh, a lovely bit of cherry, a lovely bit of that, that, that fruitiness there mm. coming coming through. And I always remember crag and more as we get to the end of the episode. In my, I've talked about this before. The dramathon, which starts at Glen Farkless and you're mm-hmm. at Ballandalloc, mm-hmm. the first ten k. Then from Ballandalloc, you cross the road, ran past Crag and Moor down by the side of the River Spey, and then mm-hmm. you ran to Tamdu. That was the second 10k over. And Tamdu up to Aberlour. Uh, the next 10k, then from Aberlour, you ran on to Glenfiddich. What a wonderful marathon. The Dramathon, yeah. they called it, in the 
Almost yeah. remember seeing the, those distilleries. I only ran the first half of the, the marathon, but Cragenmore was um, a place I'd love to have diverted to and uh, sat down. But it's, it's a lovely part of the world. I cannot wait to go up to the Speyside Festival this year, the mm-hmm. biggest one in the world. We'll try and track down the new chairman of the Spirit uh, of Speyside. Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah, we will do, we'll get a lot of content from Spirit of Speyside, I think. Really great to hear people back. And uh, I've got a bit of a busy week uh, next week. Uh, I've got a little bit of a new product to launch for Tamdu. Some people may have heard about it. Um, we're doing a live stream on April the 7th at 7 p.m. So anyone wants to join on um, YouTube and Facebook, we're doing a live stream to launch a new product. So that's very exciting. Dave, oh, yeah, we can't say too much, but April the 7th, that's worldwide, Gordon. So that's Facebook and YouTube. Just checking April if the right 7th. date now. We got the yeah, right I think date. it is April 7th. Um, I think it is. Yeah, brilliant. So excited PM, about that. GM, what's it called? Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah, yeah, or summertime. I don't know. Yeah, 7 p.m. UK time. Perfect, yeah. Gordon. Pleasure Excellent. to speak. Absolutely, Gordon. And we will see you next time on episode four of Whiskey Unscripted. Until then, everyone. Episode, episode three, it's a wrap. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.